This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Welcome to Entrepreneur Series Season 2. The theme of this season is Let's Get Down to the Root. This series provides basic knowledge business owners or aspiring business owners need to know to be able to run a successful business. This season will touch on topics or related issues almost every entrepreneur faces on a personal level and professional level. Expect guests that are expertise on their individual field coming to this show to share some of their wisdom in regard to the topic. If you are interested in advertising your product or services, email us at venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Without further ado, here is your host, Connie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ventown with Connie podcast. I'm your host, Connie. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Series. This is the second episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the first episode. Well, before we begin, I have a couple of announcements. Guys, remember, we do have the Vent to God Bible study for women. If you, do, if you haven't joined us yet, please make sure you send us email at ventanwithconnieayahu.com so we can bring you in. We are studying the Bible and this year we are doing a topical study. So if you're interested, please send us email so we can bring you in. And it does happen um, via Zoom and is bi-weekly on Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. So if you're available, available on that time, please make sure you join us. Let's worship God together, okay? And guys, remember we do have a website. Our website name is ventawithconnypodcast.com go check us out and please please do purchase the merch products we have there the t-shirts we have several um accessories there for you to purchase as well well thank you so much for your support so as you already heard in the intro um the intro um we are on the entrepreneur series we are still talking about everything business everything about um how to start up your business and um, our guest today, um, he is a medical doctor by profession. He believed financial education is not something physicians are taught in medical school. Physicians sacrifice the majority of their adult lives to help patients to, um, to save their lives. And uh, medical doctors spend so much of their brain power caring for their patients. They ignore their own financial future. Our guest mission is to empower physician investors by providing a clear and concise map to navigate real investment that help reduce takes, that keep pace with inflation, that are passive, they can focus on their true passion to help patients. Ventures, let's give a warm welcome to our guest, Dr. Grupit Pada. Hello, doctor. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for hosting me. Okay. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. So how, how are you? How was your New Year's, your holidays? Uh, it was fascinating. It's, <laughs> it's a whole different year than last year. And I feel like we're in a, uh, an ongoing chaotic cycle. Um, yes. So I, I'll be expectingly waiting how this year turns out. Yes, I know. But did you get time to travel or did your family come to you? Um, we didn't do normally I travel extensively um, gotcha. and I actually shut down all travel March of last year. I've only uh, essentially done two two trips in the last one year and normally I travel probably every two weeks and since March of last year um, I pretty much shut down travel uh, until things uh, situated themselves. Okay, yeah, I think that's pretty much what we all did. And a lot of people tend to probably spend family and spend um holiday with their close family, those that like are close uh, in proximity, like not those that live far away, because of course we are trying to uh, follow our precautions. And um, but yeah, it was a very different holiday, definitely last year. Hopefully this year it won't be like that. Things will be a little different for us. We'll get to travel and spend time with family. But I'm glad you did. In general, you did had a great holiday, right? Oh, yeah. And my family is very close. So uh, literally, my brother uh, lives uh, two miles away from me. My my mother uh, lives five miles um, and she's been self quarantining on a, on one of our on one of the farms. So, um, you know, she she's had a great time. My kids uh, came back from New York. They're in school there. So they they spent the last month with us. Um, but yeah, we didn't normally, we travel out of country and that was the real difference. We were all still together. All of us 
were still immediately available for each other, but we weren't traveling outside the U.S. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. That's good. At least your family is close by. So that's good. So yes. today's topic, um, going back to today's topic is financial literacy. And um, before we talk uh, in depth about it, um, in your bio, you did mention that physicians are not taught financial education. Why do you think that is? Because there's a couple of reasons. Um, physicians go into medicine because they assume that if they do good medical care, then the system will take care of them. So they don't really need to worry about money. And the other problem is, is that because we're, we, we have this desire to help, we think that money is dirty. That's, that's, that's the intrinsic issue with, with physicians is that they think that the pursuit of money is wrong. Um, and it's because of that belief that we purposefully avoid um, understanding financial literacy. And so it's, they, they run away from money and that's precisely why physicians get themselves in trouble because they, and the other big factor is that they self, they deny themselves for so long to get through medical school, to get through their education that by the time that they get out, their peers that they had started with that didn't go to medical school actually have established a living and have ha- yes. have made financial mistakes and done okay. Well, physicians come out making a pretty good salary, but they never learned the hard knocks. And so they never learned to control their expenses in the first place. And physicians by their very nature, and I'm going to say something that people don't like to hear, but physicians by their very nature, the only way that they can do well is that they have to believe in themselves, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it's a bad thing, but that creates a sense of narcissism. And the more narcissistic you are, the less likely you are to listen to divergent opinions. And so a lot of times that narcissism gets in the way of uh, financial growth. It keeps people from really experiencing appropriate financial health. And they're terrified of making a mistake. And they typically listen to the people. You know, how do you, how do you get to a narcissist? You compliment them. And so they're listening to people who are complimenting them and they never learn that the people complimenting them might just be salespeople trying to get their money. And so it's, it's a combination of factors. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't, well, you did make a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, when you say that the, the medical, like uh, medical doctors, they denied themselves why they were going to school because they spend a lot of years in school, you know, studying more than their peers that didn't go to medical school. So they, they just put their mind only in this medical school. Um, and then once they get it, they don't really take time to understand it because they just care about, um, taking care of their patient, providing care. And um, I never really thought about it that they would think um, pursuing this, um, knowing about money will make them feel like, oh, they're just all about money. They, they, didn't, they don't care about their patient. But that's actually weird. And, and because even when you start getting paid, you still need to learn how to manage your money. So those money will be worthwhile. You know, you can use it effectively. But Wow, I never really thought about it that way. I don't. I I only have few people, uh, medical doctors in my family, and um, not thinking about what you're saying. I think I'm getting to understand them a little bit more than before. You know, because the way you know the, the way they think is is a little different. And um, yeah, it's a good thing that you guys are taking care of us. You guys are you know are the caregivers. And we do appreciate doctors out there. Let just let me put that out there. We do appreciate doctors. All you guys are what you guys are doing, but um, I I could understand where you are coming from, and I think even apart from doctors, I think a lot of people can also relate with this. So um, guys, those that are listening, if we are mentioning mentioning doctors a lot, it's just what we are. It's just an example that we are using. But I'm sure there's some lessons that you can also learn from this. But yeah, going back to what we are talking about knowing what you just said now. So how did you yourself take that, um, take that time to actually learn about your finance? So I actually started very early. And the reason I started early is that I'm an immigrant. I I grew up in India. Um, I came to the United States, barely able to speak two words of English. I think I knew the word bathroom and I might know the word hello. And, (laughs) and that was it. Um, I grew up 
in North India, not speaking English. I, I spoke Russian and I spoke uh, Punjabi and Hindi. So I didn't really speak English at all. Um, and I learned English here. Um, but I also recognized right away that I, in India, I grew up under socialism. I grew up under a voucher system where you couldn't get stuff. And the United States was totally different. It was a capitalist society that if you worked and hustled, I saw that people were very successful. So by the time I was 14, I was trying to figure out how to make revenue, how to make money, because I was curious about, because I wanted things and we were in an immigrant family and we didn't have any money, but I knew that it was possible. So I, I did everything you could imagine, everything from having an earthworm farm to uh, selling door-to-door um, greeting cards, to selling uh, newspaper subscriptions. And I was a little kid and I grew up in, in, in downtown St. Louis, which at that point, uh, the area I was in was very urban and it was essentially a ghetto. Um, so I, was, I learned from the school of hard knocks because one, I couldn't speak the language and two, I knew I wanted to do something Yes, and I wanted to. I wanted to hustle, and nothing teaches you to hustle than to than than to than to do sales. Uh, and so I quickly learned that rejection was not a bad thing. Rejection yes. was just the process of getting to a yes. Um, and so it was one of the most valuable things I ever learned was how to sell to people, how to how to convince them to do what I wanted or what I needed, and how to give them something of value that they wanted. Um, eventually, I ended up. Uh, by the time I was 16 or 17, I think it was 16, um, I started doing um, minor construction jobs. I started by doing landscaping and cutting people's grass. And then as I did that, I realized that there were all kinds of lateral services I could provide to them related to landscaping, such as painting, mm -hmm. such as eventually um, building sheds, such as eventually fixing roofs. And then I realized that I didn't have all of those skills. So I had to hire people to help me do that. So that I quickly learned the idea of leveraging my time and my resources and getting other people's time and making the Delta off of what they were, what they were costing me. Um, and so by the time I was probably 17, I had a group of um, 30 and 40 year olds working for me uh, that would drop me off at high school every day um, and I, you know, they, they would call me in the middle of the day telling me how the construction project was going. And eventually we got to the point where we were doing rehabs and we were doing boss basement remodels. Wow. Um, and so it, it quickly upscaled. So I learned construction the hard way um, and, and learned it by hiring people to teach me and to work with them. And so I learned how to manage people that way. And I got into medical school after that. Uh, so I, I started my business career first and I got into a six-year med program and got into that program when I was 17, wow. um, almost 18, and carried those skills through constantly trying to figure out how to leverage um, and ended up in eventually Chicago um, at uh, University of Illinois doing surgery, but at the same time still doing construction projects and rehabs and real estate. Um, and I've probably done about maybe 60 different companies since then um, and, and learned all along the process. Oh, wow. You did. You do have a tons of experience with that. And it's a good thing that you started earlier and you were able to build that um, skills, you know, and a lot of people a medical school physicians don't have such opportunity. They were basically sheltered their whole life. They'll go to high school, go to school, you know, why they're in school. Sometimes their parents is helping them, you know, so they don't even have time to be taking all those bills because they're just zeroing in in their education, which is there's nothing wrong with that, you know. So that's why sometimes they miss that opportunity to learn about finance. So um, we are talking about financial literacy. So what does that mean to you? What does financial literacy mean to you? So I think financial literacy is, I, I think that that's the ability to control yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is the ability to understand where your place is in society, where your place is um, in the environment, and to be able to do the right thing to help yourself grow. 
and to help the people around you. If you don't have financial literacy, um, you basically are a burden potentially on society. So you have to have financial literacy to make society more productive uh, and to help society. And so, you know, my thing is that I've learned the school of hard knocks. And I think that you have to have a certain amount of hard knocks, but there's so much more information available for people now than there was when I was growing up um, that it is way easier to Mm -hmm. understand financial literacy. Yes. Um, And without that concept of, of true understanding um, you're going to, you're going to have a very significant failure. Um, Simple things like understanding what taxes are, simple things like understanding what inflation is, simple things like understanding what is cash flow? How, how do you make money? And yes. what do you do with money? And how do you preserve that capital? How do you give that capital to the, to the areas where you want to give it to? Um, there's a lot of people that, that wait for the government to come give them money. But I think it's much more effective if you go out and earn the money and then you distribute the money to where it needs to go, where you feel like it, it, it would most benefit the, the social aspects that you want to help. Um, so I, I, I think that it, it's not about greed. It's about directing resources to the right location. And if you don't direct those resources how you want them, then somebody else will direct them and they may not be what you want them to happen. Um, but you have to understand what your expenses are, what your income is, and the residual value that you've created, and then use that residual value to, to, do, to implement the growth that you want to ha- see happen. That is so true. That is so true. Um, Playing off of what you said, I also believe that financial literacy extends to your behaviors, systems, sentiment, sentiment, and how you are making regular adjustments based on outcomes, right? This reminds me of some of physicians that earn decent salaries, and I'm saying decent is like an understatement compared to me, but they earn decent salaries, but they are now wealthy. Can you share some light on that? Why, how we expect the physicians to be wealthy, but they are not wealthy? Yeah. I mean, it's the physician's bankruptcy rate is the same as the national average bankruptcy rate. Physicians wow. retire with this a roughly, they may retire with more money, but they're running out of money at the same rate as everybody else in retirement. And they're just as likely to die destitute as the rest of the environment. So there's nothing magical. Physicians make a lot of money, but they have a lot of expenses. And if they, if they don't control their expenses, they're, they're going to go bankrupt. It's the same thing with engineers. It's the same thing with attorneys. It's the same thing, even with accountants, it's the same thing with anybody that's a W4 employee. Um, anybody that's getting their income from direct employment as their sole source of income, the second they stop working, they lose their income. And then they have to live off the residual that they've stored and they can only extract about 4% a year. Um, so if you have a million dollars, you can take out 40,000 a year. But if you have a million dollars and your expenses are a hundred thousand a year, you got a problem. Um, and so, you know, people need to understand that income from a W-4 is only while you're working. And so you have to figure out how to get income outside of a W-4 and how to have income that's ongoing that will far outlast what you need so that you can leave a legacy. Um, and that's not going to happen with a W-4 job. That's true. That is so true. I mean, there's some skills that... Um, entrepreneurs do develop um, because um, entrepreneurs sometimes they do have a one, more than one um, businesses that they are handling and that kind of help them build how to manage those things, how to live off of different incomes, you know, that, that means they need to learn how to manage their expenses. So it brings me to this next question. How can people learn how to manage their expenses so they won't go broke or bankruptcy? Let's say when they retire or something. So, there's a whole variety of approaches to this. Um, the number one approach is to, is to know where you're at, is to take an honest assessment of where your income is and where your expenses are going. That's the first step. First, you got to see, you have to have a, a picture of what you're actually doing. Most people do not understand 
a, a simple accounting statement of income and expense. They just assume that if they have money in their bank account, they can spend it. So step one is to understand your income and expense. And at the same time, pay yourself first. So set up an alternative account where you've stored about six months of income and put it aside slowly. And then after you've done your emergency cash reserve, start building up some income that you can use to invest. And in your investments, educate yourself. Understand what it is that you're investing in. Are you going to be investing in real estate? Are you going to be investing in buying businesses? Are you going to be creating a de novo business? Are you going to invest in XYZ? Understand whatever it is that you're investing in so you comprehend it and then identify the cash flow from that and use that to leverage. So for example, I do a ton of stuff in real estate, but that's not my only business. Um, I do a ton of stuff in real estate, but I also um, have a lot of technology that I've worked on. And so we've got some patents that, that we've done. I do a ton of stuff in, doing, in the educational space, helping other people understand it. Um, I've owned restaurants and bars and nightclubs and had wow. them generate income for me. Uh, eventually I ended up selling the restaurants, bars and nightclubs, um, kept the real estate and then licensed out the name so that I have income coming from the bar, restaurant or nightclub from the name of it and from its processes, but I don't own it anymore. Somebody else owns it and they're running it on a day-to-day -day basis, but I get a residual income off the intellectual property. So as you get older, what you want to do is you want to have more and more passive income because you don't want to have to work a hundred hours a week. Uh, but realize that this is hard work. You're going to be working hard. If you think that it's all passive, you're, you're probably not going to do very well. Um, it, it goes from active to passive, but you have to be active first. Yes. You, it just suddenly won't flow to you. And that, that's, you know, we live in an environment where people expect an immediate, immediate benefit. Um, they look at other people and we live in this Instagram environment and they, they say, oh, you know, so-and-so did this on Instagram. And so they get a dopamine release just by watching the other person do it. And they themselves never do it. Yes. People also have these pie in the sky plans that they never execute. They spend all this time planning, but don't execute. Mm -hmm. And they get the same pleasure from the planning as they would from the execution. So they never execute because mm -hmm. they talk to their friends about how they're going to do something in the future. And their brain says, oh, I've done it because I've, I've executed it as a plan, yeah. but they haven't physically done it. Mm -hmm. um, and so understanding that execution of the project is more important than just the planning of the project. Without the execution, you didn't do anything. Yes. Uh, otherwise, you, it's just a thought experiment. Mm -hmm. And thought experiments may release dopamine, but they don't benefit you. Have a safe and happy new year from Vent Time with Connie. Yes, that is so true. You know, um, it kind of reminds me wish versus go. Uh, a wish is just something you 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 want to do, but there's no responsibility or commit commitment attached to it. But a go is actually where you put in the responsibility and uh, responsibility and also commitment with it. So it's not just about talking about it, but also doing it. And now, uh, you know, time is of an essence, you know, you have to make sure you use your time wisely. And um, I did hear this saying that there's no way you can be wealthy by just living off of one streams of income. You have to have different streams of income to be able to attend that wealth, you know. One streams of income, that means if that one, if anything happens to this one, that's it for you. But when you have different streams of income, you will tend to also develop some, um, I believe some, um, skills on how to live off a deck, know that life can go, you know, it things can fluctuate, you know, so when you ended up retiring or transitioning to passive, um, um, what do you say, passive way of making money, because you say it starts with active first, yet then later on, eventually you go into passive. And so when you get to that stage, you also know how to manage your money, manage your expenses. Why is that way? And um, I mean, it's always all of our goal, you know, to get to that point to have wealth and um and i think most of us just think about it have this whole um dreams these big dreams but never really take it to action it never really come to flourishing but yeah 
Um, thank you so much for the words of encouragement there because there's a lot. I know it's not just about telling you your 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 peers about the dream go the goals you have or the dreams you have, but actually doing it. And I do understand, I can relate to that because I remember at some point where I would spend a lot of time talking about what I want to do in the future, what I want to be. And but for some reason, I don't have the energy to actually do that because I've kind of exhausted all my energy. Or like you say, the brain would just know, register that I have done it. You know, there's no need, need to add any other action. And a lot of people wonder why they never follow through. They never follow through those goals they have. It's actually sometimes when you talk about it too much, when you plan, spend a lot of time planning and you can drain yourself, you don't even have the energy to actually execute it itself. So. That was a good um, thing to note. But um, um, moving forward, um, you, have a, you have an MBA in finance, so you are in a better place to answer this question. What are some unique investment niches that physicians or anyone can leverage on? Yeah, so I got my MBA in finance after I went to medical school and after I did residency and after I was an attending physician. And I got it not because I wanted to be really good in business. I got my MBA because I was doing um, research on cost benefit analysis, looking at different medications and seeing how one worked better than the other, because I felt like we were putting medications on the market that were more expensive, but weren't giving additional benefits. So the cost benefit of them was not good, mm -hmm. but we kept coming up with new medications that were 10 times more expensive, but no better than the existing medication, or maybe even worse. But because they had patents and they had protection, the pharmaceutical companies were chasing these new medications. So I got my MBA so I could understand cost-benefit analysis and pharmacoeconomics. Um, and then from there, I learned about, because I, was, I had a formalized training now, I could learn about arbitrage and currency exchanges and understand a whole host of kind of esoteric information, but understanding macroeconomics. So the the essence of specialization that everyone should look at is look at what your particular skill set is, what you're into, and then look lateral to that first. Um, look what's adjacent to you and what kind of skills might, might pair well with what you're doing. Um, that like, for example, um, if, if you, if you're in XYZ industry and there's a distributor for that XYZ industry that is in another town that you might be able to acquisition, maybe acquisition that lateral. Or alternatively, you could go up or down the stream and say that you're a distributor for XYZ, but you could buy the manufacturer for XYZ or you could partner with a manufacturer for XYZ, then you could go upstream and buy the manufacturer and sell to other distributors. So always look at your position in the market of what you're doing. Um, I'll give you a classic example. Let's say that you're a janitor and you know, you're working for as a W4, as a janitor for somebody, but you're, you like what you do. You know what? You could start a company being a janitor at night for other people. And all of a sudden you've got a business and eventually you can outsource part of that job and hire some other folks to help you. Or alternatively, you could be the janitor and you could say, you know, I get all of my products as a janitor from this distributor. I'm going to go buy a distribution arm and then I'm going to step one step up from that. Or I'm a janitor and I clean buildings. Maybe I should buy some buildings because I'm, I'm familiar with maintenance and management. So look at what you're naturally good at, what you're actually doing, and ask yourself, can I spread laterally and do more of this and leverage other people's time and money? Or can I go up or downstream? Um, can I buy the asset that I'm in? Or can I buy the asset that produces the asset that I'm in? Or can I sell the asset that I'm in? Uh, so go up and down or lateral. And as you, as you grow that aspect of yourself, you, you'll, you'll educate and your sphere of influence will grow. Um, I think a lot of this is mindset though. You, yes. you know, people are so focused in on themselves. They're so busy staring at their own belly button that they don't spend the time to think about things. And the other 
big issue is that people let time wasters into their lives. Um, they let time wasters like television suck up a third of their awake life. Um, I can't tell you the last time I even turned on a TV. Like I, I know we have TVs at our house, but I don't think I've, I, I wouldn't even know how to turn it on now. It, to the point where, it, you know, I, I just don't use it. Um, for me, I would spend more time on, you know, learning something on YouTube or listening to a podcast uh, than ever spend watching TV. Now, occasionally I'll get on my iPad and I'll pull up a show that might be interesting, but I can rarely get more than 15 or 20 minutes through the show before I fall asleep because it's my entertainment yes. um, and it's my limited entertainment. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think you should look at what you're doing, look at what's adjacent to you and look what's up and downstream of you. And that kind of positions you and, and, and give it some thought and eliminate your time wasters. Those are those are the main elements that, that people should start with. That's true. Um, picking back off of when you say about the time waster thing, um, I can relate to that because once um, I think once you get start getting busy in life or focusing on things, you know, on your dreams, you know, trying to accomplish it, um, you will not have you ha you have less time for TV. You have less time for all these things that you can see, all these social media, all those things, right? You dedicate more of your time in developing your skills or your you know or trying to execute your goals, right? Because um, even um, even it doesn't mean that you, you have to eliminate every entertainment that you have. Like you say, you have time for 20 minutes at least. Go watch your favorite show. Then fall asleep. That's enough. You don't need to spend three hours, four hours just watching TV every season upon season. Like it, it, like your time is wasting. It's wasting and you cannot gain your time back. You can save money and and get it back, but time is something that we cannot gain back. So that's why you have to make sure you use your time wisely and eliminate, like you say, eliminate the time wasters so you can actually get to your goal. You don't want to steal every year is a new year resolution. I want to do this. I want to be this, but it never changed. You just keep carrying it on the next year. It just becomes a wish and it never comes to flourishing so the goal is always as a business owners or business aspiring business owners is to make sure you spend your time wisely and please um try to hold in in your dreams in your goals and try to accomplish it and what i'm hearing from you too at the beginning you were talking about um find what you are good at and develop it you know if you are good at this thing how can i develop these skills how can i get better so i can actually start making revenue from it if it has to do you if it has to be um you going back to school like you say you went back to school after being a medical doctor you went back to get your mba in finance you know it helps you equip you for more other things that you are other businesses that you are running so if that has to do with you going back to school to develop these skills, these natural gifts you have, go back to school and do it so you can get better, so you can be a, be, uh, a better version of yourself as the day goes by. But yeah, thank you so much for that. Do you have anything to add before we end? No, I, I think that um, I think that education is, the, is one of the things that will tantalize your brain into, into accelerated growth. Um, and I think that that is education and an understanding of, of how systems work. That, that's what you need to, to, to really focus in on. Um, and there's a whole host of resources. You don't need to spend a lot of money on this. That's, that's the other thing that people think, oh, if I, if I spent $20,000 on a course, it's going to make all the difference. But if you don't fix your mindset first, I don't care how much money you spend. All you did was spend money. Yes. Um, I would rather have you spend no money and fail a little bit mm -hmm. so they can understand failure. Yes. Um, you only grow through failure. And so I, my preference is people not spend a lot of money on courses that they, they spend just what they need to and then have experiential learning. Mm -hmm. um, certainly at a certain point, you're going to have to get mentors. At a certain point, you're going to have to get stuff done. But experiential learning is a critical element of growth. And without that experiential learning, you're not going to get anywhere. Yes, that's so true. Um, just in that the same line, too, I would like um, 
to give you to let you have the last word um do you have any words of encouragement to any upcoming investors out there you know i i, I think that you should pay attention to the economics of where we are and you should have a contrarian view of economics and i think that we're in a period where we have great financial uncertainty and instability and we need to understand what's happening with our currency and what's happening with our financials uh, if we don't understand that you're going to get hit by a train um, you know you should not look just at the currency that you have in your pocket which is the u.s dollar if you're in the u.s you should look at the position of the u.s dollar relative to the rest of the world um, just because housing prices are going up, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will always go up. Mm-hmm. And it just and you have to look at it as in terms of real value versus nominal. Nominal is 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 you know the price that you see. Real value is inflation adjusted. So you always have to keep that in mind and look at look at where that look at where your resources are best spent. Uh, and work on your mindset first. Understand your position. Take 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 an analysis of where you are. Um, I'm always willing to talk to folks uh, and give them, you know, a, a, a brief kind of, you know, analysis of what I see that they're doing. And so they can always reach out to me. Um, I I have a ton of free resources that that I share with folks. I don't sell any of this. And I don't expect people to, to come join in my projects. We we're very limited on who we take into our projects. Um, most of our projects are for ourselves. Uh, but I all the time help other people with their projects. Um, and so, you know, you, you don't want to be, you, you don't want to be stuck in the muck. You, yes. you want to keep moving forward and keep educating yourself, but you also don't want to educate yourself with garbage. You That's you want to you want to be judicious with what you're consuming. That's true. So talking about um, you say they can reach out to you. Where can people reach you? So the probably the easiest place is one of our websites. Uh, it's specific for real estate. It's Red Pill Capital with a K. Mm-hmm. Red Pill Capital K A P I T A L dot com. Um, that's an easy place to reach me. If they want educational material that I can provide for them for free. They can take the red pill course with a K, K-O-U-R-S-A-E and use the, uh, the, use the promo code free capital with a K. Um, and that'll give them that course for free. And what that is, is a real estate investing course. Uh, we don't really market you. We, we give that information away for free. And it's, it's a fundamental understanding of real estate investing in multifamily. Um, which is just one asset class that I that I do. I, I I do businesses, I do real estate, and in real estate I do everything from mobile home parks to uh, multifamily to commercial real estate to re- uh, to strip mall centers. I mean, I we we do the whole gamut, um, and so I I think you have to have incredible flexibility going forward, and keep one eye on the horizon. As human beings, we didn't become evolutionarily successful because we looked down at our own hands. We became evolutionarily successful because we could scan the horizon for threat and understand when that threat was coming and maintain a contrarian um, contrarian aspect to it. So just because it looks good doesn't necessarily mean it is good and understand where our, where, what's going on in society. Uh, keep an idea of, of what's actually happening. That's true. Thank you so much for that. And um, guys, his website will be linked on this episode that you're listening to. So once you are done, um, I will, you can check out the episode description so you can get the website, so you can check out the free course and um, and get connected with him if you want to learn more. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Pather. Uh, we have come to the end of this discussion. But before I let you go, I had to play a game with you because I like to play a game with my guests. So I hope you're ready for a game. Let's do it. All right. So today we're going to be playing this or that. So I'll be listing um, two things that are, are different. like, And then I'll ask you which one um, do you prefer so we can get to know you a little bit more. Okay. 
All right. So the first one will be toast or eggs? Eggs. Mm, okay. Do you like it scrambled or boiled? I just like protein. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't I don't care how it comes. Oh, okay. uh, you know, so for me, it's uh, I I haven't eaten a piece of bread in a long time. Oh, um, wow. I, I, I my concern is that, you know, I'm, I have a background in in medicine and I have an understanding of, of what carbohydrates do and I have an understanding of what gluten does. Um, and so I predominantly eat more protein than anything else. Wow. Yes, you're right. I'm learning, like I'm on my weight loss journey and I'm learning that too. Um, they're explaining about what carbohydrate does and gluten. So, and about us, because um, proteins makes you feel a little bit full, fuller than carbohydrates. So I'm learning that too. Yeah. As a side note, one of my companies is called reversediabetes.md, www.reversediabetes.md. And we teach people how to reverse their diabetes. Um, It's a project that I started about seven years ago. Mm -hmm. We've taken about 6,000 patients completely off their insulin and gotten their diabetes fully reversed. The average person brings their weight down about 105 pounds or something like that. Wow. Um, and get their hemoglobin A1C below 5.6. So, and we, we have specific protocols that we've developed for this. Oh, wow. That's good. You see, guys, this is what happened when you have a doctor in your show. It gives you all these nuggets. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. So let's continue with the game. Um, Facebook or Twitter? Neither. Neither. (laughs) I I, I, I don't get onto uh, social media at all. Uh, What, and we use it for our businesses. And we, if we, if we're going to use it for our business, we use Facebook. Uh, gotcha. But I personally don't invest um, time on on either. Um, I certainly get Twitter feeds just to take the temperature of the world, um, and I will look at it, but I won't post. Gotcha. Um, I'm using it as a surveillance to understand what's going on and how people are responding because you get a the interesting thing about Twitter is because it's such a short amount of characters that people get to uh, put out, it gives you their emotional reading almost immediately. Yes. Um, And so I use Twitter to understand people's emotional reading, but I don't post to it. I use Facebook to find audiences for a project that I might sell or want to do. Mm -hmm. um, But I don't use Facebook to put personal content out. I, I feel like the uh, social media aspect of it, of this stuff um, actually dehumanizes us. Mm. And I feel like it, it creates a false paradigm. That's true. That's true. I mean, the social media is what pressuring people everywhere. Oh, all my peers are rich. All my peers have all this brand name um, clothing or whatever bags. And you feel like you are a loser. You haven't achieved anything. So I can see how um, that could happen. You know, why you would not want to be involved in social media because it can be a hinder to so many things, you know, in life. But yeah. Um, So another one would be um, phone call or test. Um, I like both. I, I prefer text for really brief interactions. If, if I need to, um, if I just need to answer a question or if I need to memorialize something, I'll use a text when I'm communicating with people and I've got 15 things going on at the same time, I'll use a text, Mm -hmm. but phone calls, um, produce less ambiguity. See a text message can be misinterpreted pretty quickly yes. because you don't get to put your intonation and your voice. And most of communication is in the things that we don't say. It's yeah. in the intonation of our voice. It's in the urgency of what we say. Mm-hmm. It may not be in the words. Mm-hmm. Text is just the words. And certainly we have emojis that help us express things. And that's what that is. It's, it's a emotional layering uh, of information but it's imprecise. Mm-hmm. If I really want to connect to somebody, it's going to be to talk to them and oh, to okay. understand. Uh, but if I just want to give a piece of data, I'll use text. Okay. Yeah. For me too, it's the same way too. It depends. For me, it depends how I'm feeling. If it's going to be a long conversation, I will call on the phone. If it's short, I just shoot a test message. Okay. Another question would be do, Apple or Android. Um, so I've been an Apple person since I was 
since Apple started probably. I'm 56 years old. And Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I think it's a good ecosystem. And I do think that they make amazingly good product. It's not the most innovative, Mm -hmm. but it's the most easy to use. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly there are better innovators. And what Apple does is they study other people that are much more innovative than they are. Mm -hmm. And then they buy them out or they copy them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Apple is not the first at the table. Apple is usually the second or third at the table, but they're an excellent execution company. They're really good at execution. And execution is frequently more important than innovation. Mm. And so that's what Apple does. Apple executes and they execute diligently. So I'm an Apple person. I, I do like the fact that they have a better privacy policy than Android does. Mm-hmm. I do feel like their privacy policies are excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I think that it's going to buy them a lot of credibility long-term. Yeah. Yeah, me, I'm Apple too, because I use Apple. Okay, another one is, I feel like I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you. Why walking do you um, prefer music or podcasts? Podcasts. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I, use, I use music if I'm trying to pump myself up while I'm working out. Yes. Even most of my workout, I'm listening to podcasts because then I can wrestle with these questions in my head. Mm-hmm. And when you're working out, you're, you're solving problems, you're solving physical problems, mm-hmm. but you're releasing um, BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic growth factor. So if you're learning something while you're releasing BDNF, it goes faster into your memory. And so I use music if I'm going to do a heavy lift, but then I'll immediately convert back to that piece of information I'm trying to learn. So audiobooks, podcasts, even YouTube videos that I'm listening to audio on is, is how I do that because it gives me a time to meditate and to wrestle with those questions that I'm educating myself on. Okay, that's pretty good. So another one would be um, rich friend or loyal friend? Um, so all of my loyal friends are rich friends. Um, <laughs> and so, so for, but loyalty is the key um and you know rich richness is something that if they're not rich but they're loyal to you Mm -hmm. and they're loyal people you're going to help them become rich um i I think that if if you're loyal you will be rich yeah there's no doubt about it in my mind Mm -hmm. okay that's a good way to put it so another one would be um walk hard or play hard i think you do both Um, I think that it's a symmetry. What you can't do is play hard and not work hard. That's true. And so that's a disaster. But if you work hard, you can play hard and you do both. Mm -hmm. Yes, because you need some break sometimes. Okay. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Another one would be nice car or nice home. Um, You know, again, that depends. I think that cars are, are money losers. So I'd prefer a nicer home. Um, I'd, I'd actually prefer a nicer multifamily building that somebody else is paying for, Mm -hmm. um, than just a home. I think that houses themselves, if they're super expensive, um, can lose money for you. Cars Mm -hmm. definitely depreciate quickly. So car, I wouldn't have a nice car. I wouldn't have a, a nice boat and I wouldn't have a nice plane. Um, houses tend to hold inflationary value Mm -hmm. but i'd rather have other people paying off my assets so Mm -hmm. i'd rather have a commercial office building or a multifamily building okay yes that's definitely way how to also you can um accumulate um revenue too when you have someone else paying it like your one of your rental properties you know so yeah um another the last one would be what's worse laundry or dishes hmm um dishes yeah <laughs> <Wow>. dishes <laughs> laundry you, you could stick it in in the in the washing machine and, and be done with it and That's then come true. back to it 30 40 minutes later mm-hmm. uh but dishes you got to do and you know it, it, they're, they're just not fun but you got to do them <laughs> yes definitely laundry is quicker it's faster you don't even have to stay there but sometimes like i like to wash dishes with my own hand i don't really like this watches so that could take me a long time but um yeah yeah thank you so much for being a good sport we have come to the end of this game too um before i let you go do you have anything that you want to promote any upcoming event 
Uh, no, just if anybody wants to connect with me, go through uh, Red Pill Capital with a K.com and, you know, we, we can sit and chat and I talk to people from all over the country uh, every week. And, you know, it's it's to have a shared experience. It's to it's to help each other. Um, and, and that's what makes all the difference. As long as somebody has a good heart and they're going to use the capital that they're going to gain to to promote society, that's what I want. Um, I want everybody to do well. Yes. Um, and, and so, it, you know, you have to realize that money is not a zero sum game just because I have some doesn't mean that someone else shouldn't have the same. Yes. Um, and you don't have to take it from me. I mean, you, you can make it yourself. Um, and so that's, that's what I really want people to understand that money is not an evil thing. Money is a tool to, to help society. And the more resources we have, the more we can affect society and improve it. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And uh, for me, I'm a Christian. The Bible say the root of um, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Doesn't mean that you cannot want money. You can want money, but you don't let it consume you. But um, thank you so much, Dr. Pader, for coming to the show. I believe that um, the audience will gain a lot of uh, wisdom from just listening to you talk. And uh, and I'm sure that you will impact a lot of uh, people um, that are listening. Thank you so much. And um, it was really nice talking to you. I hope you had fun on this show. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you come back for more episodes next week, Tuesday, and we release new episodes on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Remember, Jesus loves you, and I love you too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to like, rate, review, or share this podcast. Do you have any feedback or questions for Connie or any topics you'd like to discuss on the show? Connie loves communicating with our listeners. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Vent Time with Connie or send an email to venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Until next time, remain blessed.